John chapter 4, verses 1 to 15. As we read, remember, this is God's Word. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but His disciples. When the Lord heard of this, He left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now, He had to go through Samaria. So, He came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as He was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, "'Will you give me a drink?' His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and herds? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, Give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Amen. We trust that God will bless to us this reading from His Word. We read from John's Gospel, chapter 4, and verses 1 to 15. You may wish to turn that up again in your Bible as I refer to it and as I speak this morning. I'm uh, not going to ask how many in the congregation will admit to being a fan of the popular BBC program, EastEnders. I have to confess that I haven't watched uh, EastEnders very much at all. I discovered something uh, one of the, the former actresses in the soap once said. And the one star of EastEnders, Patsy Palmer, who has admitted to being to be addicted to alcohol and drugs, spoke of having a deep down hole in her stomach. Metaphorically, she was speaking of a a complex need or, or dissatisfaction in her life. And she said, you can't fill it up with drugs, and you can't fill it up with drink, and you can't fill it up with food. In John chapter 4, there was a woman who had an encounter with Jesus. Or it could be said, Jesus had an encounter with this woman from Sychar. This woman in the 21st century could easily have spoken the same words as Patsy Palmer, the actress. She was thirsty, not just for water to quench and wet her dried-up tongue, but there was a gnawing deep within her. It was like a hole, And she might have said, I can't fill it up with drugs, and I can't fill it up with drink, and I can't fill it up with food. In fact, she might have extended the statement to, I can't fill it up with husbands, for we read later in that chapter she had five of them. The the tennis star, Boris Becker, was at the very top 
of his tennis career. When in the 1980s and 90s, yet at one point was on the brink of suicide. And he said, I had won Wimbledon twice, once as the youngest player. I was rich. I had all the material possessions I needed. It's the old song of movie stars and pop stars who commit suicide. They have everything, and yet they are so unhappy. He said, I had no inner peace. I was a puppet on a string. And in John chapter 4, we have, first of all, a question posed. Can you give me what I want? And Jesus and the disciples are on a missionary journey. And rather than keep on the road normally used by Jews, they were walking through Samaria. You see, Jews didn't relate well with Samaritans. They wouldn't have set foot in the territory of Samaritans. And I remember when uh, here recently in, in Northern Ireland, we were putting together, remember, the, the super councils. Uh, and there were members from certain political parties had never traveled through or been in specific parts of Belfast. There were loyalists who had never been in West Belfast and Republicans who had never been in East Belfast. And that's what it was like here. They had never sat in one another's territory. And Jews didn't set foot in Samaria. And because of the history of the Samaritans, there was animosity between Jews and Samaritans. Jews were not, or sorry, Samaritans were not pure Jews. And during the exile, there were Jews who had remained behind as custodians of the land and had intermarried with Canaanites and evolved into what was fundamentally a new tribe. The faith was primarily syncretistic, a mix of orthodox Judaism and pagan Canaanite traditions. And Jesus wasn't going to increase his popularity among the strict Jews by trespassing on Samaritan roads. He was definitely not going to win new friends at stopping at a well and speaking to a woman on his own. It was actually scandalous for any Jewish man to be familiar with any strange woman in public. To be found on his own with a Samaritan woman was outrageous. In fact, some might have said it was was sheer immoral. Now, I hope you understand what is being alluded to here. This woman, at best, was an outcast. Women usually met at the well to fill their jars early in the morning. That is, the respectable woman did it at that time. This woman was there in the middle of the day. Why? No one normally associated with this woman. She had a reputation. She was known for her lifestyle and obsessions. And Jesus begins to speak to her. He asks the question, Will you give me a drink? He deliberately reaches across the cultural divide and moral barrier. There's no hesitation. This is what Jesus does. He is no slave to tradition, nor to race, nor to gender, nor to religion. 
Christ doesn't care. He won't be forced to keep silent by the opinion of those who might hear about his unorthodox behavior. Nor was he concerned about how the disciples may react. What Jesus did was truly a gospel thing to do. He was in true missionary and outreach mold and prepared to be bold and engage with someone other people wouldn't relate to. I have to admit, I would be hesitant in that kind of situation. But as disciples of Jesus, we have a mandate to cross barriers, whatever they may be, to relate to people, to form relationships, to cross bridges at work, at university, in our neighborhoods, and demonstrate good uh, gospel truths and speak of the truth in Jesus. I share a story, and I know some people are a bit uncomfortable with it, and it's about a friend of mine, not all that far from Lurgan, goes to the same filling station each every morning for his newspaper. He generally was served by the same young woman at the checkout every morning. One morning he told her his name and asked for hers. He felt that it was he felt that if he was going to speak to her each morning, he should know her name. And as time passed, they shared niceties each morning, which led to a deeper conversation. And she eventually told him about the crisis her life was in. He shared his faith and invited her to his church. As he said, she would meet many people just like herself there facing challenges. Jesus spoke to a lonely woman. She was amazed. He crossed that barrier. And she asked Jesus, how can you ask me for a drink? And so we secondly, we see the big issue. It was the middle of the day, hot and sticky and exhausting. Jesus was, humanly speaking, very thirsty. And temperatures maybe up to 40 degrees centigrade is vital to avoid dehydration. We know this. And none of us have truly experienced critical thirst. In Philadelphia, in the United States of America, there's a river called uh, Schuylkill River. Schuylkill is Dutch which means hidden river. It is a spin, it's in a splendidly beautiful spot, located at a certain point on the beautiful scenic drive along the river bank is a statue of a Christian pilgrim with his Bible under his arm. There's a tributary stream near to the pilgrim which can be followed along to a trail and you reach there the source of the spring. An inscription is found there which reads, Who drinketh of this water shall thirst again. We we will always thirst for a drink. But Christ says to the woman, You should be asking me for water. Whoever drinks the water I give a man or woman will never thirst. Jesus isn't offering stagnant water nor shallow water, nor recycled water, nor bottled water, 
but free flowing water, ever flowing water, bubbly and springing water, truly living water, which he refers to as eternal life. And the water Christ was offering this outcast of a woman was more than physical, which may reduce the agony of profound thirst. The water Jesus offers is metaphorically spiritual water, what she was thirsting for, and she didn't know it. It is the solution to her spiritually dead life without which she is eternally lost. And Jesus is offering what for us will complete the deep down hole. What Patsy Palmer and EastEnders called the hole in her stomach, a complex need in the soul. The Lord in his grace and mercy and his eternal and extravagant love takes the initiative to satisfy what we have lost. Tim Keller refers to this as, and I quote him, Christ, he's talking about deep soul satisfaction, about incredible satisfaction and contentment that doesn't depend on what is happening outside of us. Yet Jesus says, there is nothing outside of you that can truly satisfy the thirst that is deep down inside. And we live in a world today that has never changed. And people think they can find what will feed their deepest desires. And they go looking and searching for this in diverse ways. The idea is that if I can fill that, if I can do that, get that, achieve importance, be secure, then I will be fulfilled. But one of the popular philosophers of the 1960s, despite the great wealth he acquired, sang over and over again, I can't get no satisfaction. That was Mick Jagger of the Rolling Stones. And he is still trying. Some might say, trying to sing. And it's the same conclusion. I can't get no satisfaction. The famous uh, John D. Rockefeller, one of the most famous men of the world, answered the question regarding how much money would satisfy him. And he had more than anyone could ever imagine. And he famously answered, just a little more. What offers you a satisfying life? I hope you answer this differently from most people who don't know Jesus. Their answer is usually something outside of them. It is often that they look for more love or a good career. Some think politics. Many look for it in money. And you think about the, the millions of pounds that is spent on a lottery every week. Some look for it in a, building a, a house and creating a mansion. Many now seem to, to look for it in their devotion to social media and are constantly subscribing to Facebook where they can boast of their achievements and inform their host of friends about their great life and often receive gratification. Will their emptiness be ever filled by this indulgence? I find it regrettable that those who claim to be Christian 
are still so thirsty and unfulfilled. I'd risk saying, even in this congregation, for we recognize those who will pursue all kinds of adventures and ventures and travel and entertainment and pursuits and put these before celebrating our fulfillment in Christ at worship on a Sunday. But we see in this passage the answer. The woman asked Jesus to give her the water which will quench her thirst forever. And Jesus really gets to the hub of the issue. For this woman, when he answers, go and get your husband. It turned out she had five husbands. Divorce and remarriage may have been acceptable. But Jesus is telling her, you've been trying to satisfy your desires through men and sex, and it's not working. Then we see in the passage the subject of worship is referred to. And people will worship something unless the focus of worship is Jesus. Unless Christ is at the center of our lives, unless we have a well of living water or thirst, our thirst will not be quenched, for otherwise we will be devoted to other things. The deep down hole in our lives is only and can only be filled when we trust Christ to constantly have welling up in us the water that satisfies. The hole is filled and overflowing only through trust in Jesus. As everyday disciples, we have this gospel to share. And we have to work at demonstrating and living out the hope that we have. We read in John chapter 4 and verse 39, many of the Samaritans from that time believed in him because of the woman's testimony. This transformed woman became a disciple and her Samaritan neighbors recognized her radical testimony, her amazing story, her astonishing changed manner, her lifestyle conversion, her faith in the Savior of the world, her new relationships with the people who once rejected her. She was crossing the barriers once again, divided her from her community. That once divided her. That's what grace does. And everyday disciples become and so the challenge to us who are believers and whose vocation is to be everyday disciples is how are those in society, in our places of work, in our schools, in our universities, in our hospitals, in our council chambers, observing us? Are we living on the living water Christ offers that fills the hole of dissatisfaction and fulfills our everyday quest? Are we reaching across the barriers in our society to bring good news? Amen. Let us just have a brief prayer. Our Father God in heaven, we praise you that our trust is in Christ alone, that he meets our needs. 
Father, may we go out into this community and out into the world of this coming week displaying what Jesus is for us. In his name we pray. Amen.